nobody gets to a belief that you disagree with for no reason. They got there because they've had experiences that have reinforced that. They were either, they were raised that way. They had trauma that created a certain system that made them pretty sure that something I may not believe in does fit in the world and is really important. And I've had clients all along my whole career who have had very strong beliefs about things that had they known my beliefs, they might've run the other way. But I just, I believe my job is to put, take that out of the room, even, even this year, which has been a really hard time more for the exhaustion and fatigue that the clients are bringing in that we're also experiencing as therapists even more so than who you're going to vote for or whether you're wearing a mask, just all of the fatigue of, of living through an unprecedented time. It is a novel experience for everyone. Welcome back. We are on today with Robin Hornstein on the Tool for Dish It podcast. I'm Angie Sorensen, the founder of AngieS.com. That's Angie-S.com. That's the place to go if you want to be part of my community, get involved with what I do and have direct access to me. Uh, you can also go to my link tree, which I'll leave in the show notes. By the way, if you've been listening to the podcast, and it has given you the bug of having your own. I am personally taking on 10 individuals who want to release their own podcast. You'll have it released within six weeks. So this will be a beta test. So if you're interested, get in touch via the website. I'll also leave the details in the show notes. It's basically my website address, ngs.com forward slash contact. That's it. And listen, I know I ask you this every week, but if you haven't yet, please, 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 please share this podcast with your friends, rate, review, subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, follow it on Spotify, for any of the other platforms, whichever way you show love is how you can support this show. The more you do that, the more it helps new listeners discover this show. It takes two seconds and it's completely free for you to do. So today, today with Robin, we are going to talk about, we cover quite a lot of different topics, but the overall arch is that today we talk about labels we put on people, how to listen and be open to other people's process when you give them some big news and how to have a conversation with someone who stands in complete opposition to your beliefs and how to lead with curiosity and not judgment. Robin is really wonderful and she's really game to go there in those conversations with me. So a big, big thank you to Robin. And so without further ado, let's begin. Welcome to the show, Robin. Oh, thank you so much, Angie. I'm so happy to be here today. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I've been really super excited to have you on this podcast because um, when we spoke, and you came in highly recommended from a previous guest as well, who I highly respect. And when we spoke, you know, you are just full of beans, you're very refreshing, and just a great woman to come and talk about things like tolerance, peace, love, and what we can learn and do about 2020 without losing our sanity, our friends, and family in the process. I mean, that's the idea anyway. Sounds like a plan. Yes. So before we dive in, please introduce yourself, where you live, and what you do. 
Okay, so uh, my name is Dr. Robin Hornstein, and I live in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area in the United States. Um, I am a psychologist and a health coach. I have done that. Um, I like to say I've done that for about 38 years, and I started when I was five. So um, that's really not true. Um, so I'm in my 60s. I love, love, love the work I do. I am married. I have a 26-year-old daughter who is going to be a social worker soon. She's in school. And a bonus daughter who is uh, about to be 18, who's looking at colleges right now. Um, I run a practice uh, along with a business partner. It is a large practice with um, about 40-something providers that are therapists and family therapists and couples counselors. And also we have people who prescribe medication. Um, and it's actually, it's an insurance-based practice. And I know you people over there in the UK have um, a different kind of medical system, but we have uh, in our, in, in the United States, we get, uh, people get insurance and their insurance covers uh, their co-pays or, you know, money that they might pay in towards coming in for mental health services. You mentioned briefly that you have a wife and I know that when we spoke last time and you know, I'm going to push a little bit on this one because I want you, I, I want you to help clarify the difference between a couple of things. Sure. So I know you mentioned like, you know, you have a wife and when you introduced uh, yourself to me, you mentioned that you are, you use the word that you're queer. Mm-hmm. Right. So can you tell me, can you explain like, what is the difference between calling ourselves queer or gay or lesbian? Is there a difference in what is oh. there? God, you're asking a question. This question could take us the entire time to talk because I, you know, we, nothing captures the essence of who we are. We, Mm -hmm. a friend of mine said uh, yesterday, I told her you were going to ask this question when you sent me a little bit of, you know, an outline. And she said, well, you're, you're going on a fool's errand basically, because who I am, who you are is not always defined easily by a term. And I think we define ourselves mostly for the other person to be able to say, oh, oh, okay, I get you. Right. So in reality, if I, you know, I'll be bold and say queer is a newer term that is sort of an umbrella, right? It's sort of anybody who identifies in some sexuality space, it may be about their sexual identity. It may be about their sexual preferences. It may be a lot of things sort of will fall under the umbrella of queer. Gay traditionally has mostly meant men who date other men, love other men, although a lot of lesbians have taken that on. And if you talk to me through the lifespan of me, I have used the word bisexual because that fits quite well. I've used the word lesbian. I've adopted and adapted to queer because I think it actually has a stronger unifying statement for me, with everyone else who sort of falls on the spectrum and identifies that way. But, mm. um, but you can't, you're really doing it for the next person. Like, right, do you, right, right. you care what I am? No, no. But you need to know because then you have like markers. It's just like, oh, so you're, you know, you're Jewish or you're Catholic or you're this or you're that. And we, we seem to think that uh, truncates or shortens the, the need to talk about who the person is because we have some things that we identify and think we understand. We don't always, but we think we do. You see, this is so interesting because, um, so the reason why I was asking is kind of twofold. So one is, it's because you mentioned it when we spoke. So I was like, okay, so that must have an importance for you, you know, when you say, when you mentioned like you're queer. Mm-hmm. And then the other reason 
So I thought, okay, there's Nippon, so maybe I need to understand what the difference is. And so the other side of it, yeah, the flip side of it was, you're right, like I, I personally, I don't actually care whether you're queer, straight, gay. I, personally, like honestly, to be completely honest with you, I right. don't. And I think like it takes too much of an importance. And so I'm glad that you said that actually you can be boxed in. It's hard to, even for me, sometimes I find it hard you know, I always consider myself straight, but I have had crushes over the years over like women who are, have the very androgynous look. And I quite like to play as well on, mm-hmm. if, I had, if I had the money, I'd, I'd, I'd have a whole wardrobe of like androgynous clothes. And I've been like this for years and I like to have t- uh, um, bow ties and ties. And I think like a, a, a suit, if I could afford like a really nice Armani suit in black, like I think that's really hot. Like I think that's more sexy than the short skirt. But those are yeah. things that, but then I also like to be very feminine in the traditional terms. So I think, like you said, there is like, there is, you can't really box. Uh, and some people are more certain than others. Like I know that I'm, you know, probably 80% to 90% straight. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can't. And that's why sometimes I think maybe in this world, we find it a bit difficult to know what the terminology that we can address someone. Because like you're, you're obviously one, a person who's not, strict on it you understand there's more to a person that than the label but sometimes it can in this world like nowadays you feel like oh what, what I'm, <laughs> you know I don't like you said like we don't actually care like we just want you just want people to be happy right so if they're happy well we're and we're constantly trying to like identify ourselves and I think it was mm-hmm. Patty Smith the singer Patty Smith who said that everyone, all clothes put you in drag like anything you wear you're in drag because you're, you're um, buying into what fashion dictates means, you know, de- fashion dictates like that means you look, you know, straight or you look queer or you look like a boy, you look like a girl, mm. you look like a they. It, like, it's, it's very interesting that, you know, what we choose, you know, is defined by fashion, but fashion is trying to Im- sort of influence what what look they're selling at all given time so yes. you know all things being equal i i'm with you i think I, some days i feel like putting on a skirt and some days i feel like putting on like a t-shirt and and jeans and timberlands and i don't really yeah, care um, exactly. but it does it does affect how people who are looking for stability in who the other person is they want you to look a certain way so they can react to you mm. and, and also think like they know you, right? It's like saying, oh, if I say I'm a Democrat, then you know everything about what I believe. You don't. You just know I said I was a Democrat. Yes. Yes. And also it's like sometimes it's good to let people guessing because I think, mm-hmm. and I know we're going to get into like belief system in, uh, a bit later on in the, in the show, but I think, I think just as, you know, who we are as a human, like, you know, being too uptight about, or not uptight, but being too worried about how do we define ourselves, which has an importance, especially when you're looking for identity, especially when you're a teenager and you're early 20s, you're looking for yourself and stuff. And mm-hmm. sometimes later in life, it, it circles back again and you're looking for who am I? And that's a very important question to ask yourself. But I think sometimes it can have a, a double-edged sword of like, if you overly think about how to define yourself, we, you know, a lot of it is also conditioned by how society is at that time. You know, we, in the 1700s, we didn't have that kind of luxury that we have today. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the main thing is to have that peace within and whatever, how other people look at you, doesn't matter. But then at the same time, the other people need to mind their own business. 
well, and if they, and if they yeah. want to support and if they want to support they need to ask questions but it's it's a it's a it's a game between it's like a back and forth game isn't it it's important to have mm-hmm. you know if you want to create change to be open to have a conversation but it's 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 obviously more nuanced and more difficult than just that. Um, Absolutely. And it's also, you know, there are places where it's more dangerous to play this game too. Oh, right? 100%. I mean, yeah. you know, in New York is fine. In London is fine, but in a small town somewhere, it may, may not be. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I actually, that's really good that you said that because I'm part of a few Facebook groups where we talk about relationship and sex and things like that. And, you know, the group is quite open, but it's also like when sometimes uh, some of the other women giving advice, sometimes, sometimes you have to remind them, wait, but in her, in that person's culture, her maybe dating a couple of guys when it's not exclusive, she could literally be stoned to death. Like we have to be right. careful. Right. Like sometimes you have to also, you're not supposed to always know, but you also have to understand that maybe that advice isn't actually going to help her. So yeah, it's some, some places it's fine. Some places it's not. Um, Exactly. And I think you're talking when you, when you just said that, I thought about the fact that what we're talking about is having some cultural curiosity and cultural humility and not just imposing our own culture on everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And to be fair, like sometimes that, you know, (laughs) it's going to be so inappropriate. But like, I think, you know, cause I, you know, um, cause you know, some, some, some Muslim women do actually want to wear, um, you know, they, they don't mind having their hair hidden and their body, you know, and I cannot find the word and I should do it because my, my dad is Muslim. Um, but I just had a lapse in my brain just gone blank. Mm-hmm. And there's always a joke like with comics. It's like, you know, when you have a bad hair day, like, you know, this is great. You never have a bad hair day when you cover your hair. You never had a bad, you know, makeup day which is obviously taking it really lightly and, you know, it's uh, with a comedic eye, but um, sure. some people are happy with certain things. You know, we can't impose that that's how we want them to live. Um, uh, no. And I think that's the problem in, in general is when we're more fear driven, I think we do want to impose. We believe that we're right and they're, the other person is wrong or they're making a choice or they're not making a choice. They're, they're forced to do something and maybe they've actually opted to do something for instance wearing something that is religious that you know you may say oh well why is she wearing that you know she she doesn't have a choice and I, you know what you just brought up you know like something like muslim women i'm thinking you know a lot of them are quite happy with the choices they've made and the, yeah. what they're wearing so we again you know i think we really it's so hard to step back and just let the other person you know speak for themselves, under, you know, tell you who they are and just let it be what it is. Because I think it challenges our own belief that how we think, how we were raised, what we believe is, has more, I don't know, gravitas, right? And it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's, it helps us justify our life choices. Where yeah. someone comes in and lives differently, it challenges it. And you're like, oh, and unconsciously you are really uncomfortable about it because it challenges your way of life in a way. And you're not comfortable with the difference, maybe. Yep. yep. So, but this is this is actually um, a, a great that you brought this up because actually it circles nicely into what I want to talk to you about because you are a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that you obviously live with day in, day out, having, you know, you, so with your clients where they may have said things that is, you know, deeply offensive for yourself or in deep agreement to principle of life or your values 
But I'm thinking like in this year, you know, 2020 has been extremely divisive, more than 2016 with Brexit and Trump. And, you know, now it's, that looks like that was like baby stuff back then Mm -hmm. to compare what 2020 brought up. Right. I mean, that was nothing. It was Mm -hmm. a warm up. And so how, like, how do you, because obviously we understand there's an importance that therapists, you know, not to project on their clients, but with a year like 2020 being so divisive and everything going on and parallel processing, because you guys are going through the same as all of us are, mm-hmm. how, like, how do you navigate that? How do you not react to, or, or is it possible to not react? Like, how do you deal with someone with such different views to you, a way of life when you're in therapy with them? That is a great question. And um, that is a question that has come up in a lot of supervision groups, consultation groups that I run or have been part of in that, you know, my job is not, a therapist's job is not to tell somebody how to live or what to think. So that's already part of what we're trained to do. Even when it's something as divisive as, you know, had you told me 10 years ago that 2020 would be the year of the politicization of a mask, wearing one or not, I would have looked at you like you have two heads. But the reality is, it is not my job, it is not a therapist's job to coerce, convince, or change somebody's life to be in line with what their own beliefs are. It is their job to listen, to, to help with mental health issues, to help with pain, to help with trauma, to, and to understand that nobody gets to a belief that you disagree with for no reason. They got there because they've had experiences that have reinforced that. They were either, they were raised that way. They had trauma that created a certain system that made them pretty sure that something I may not believe in does fit in the world and is really important. And I've had clients all along my whole career who have had very strong beliefs about things that had they known my beliefs, they might've run the other way. But I just, I believe my job is to put, take that out of the room, even, even this year, which has been a really hard time more for the exhaustion and fatigue that the clients are bringing in that we're also experiencing as therapists even more so than who you're going to vote for or whether you're wearing a mask, just all of the fatigue of of living through an unprecedented time. It is a novel experience for everyone. Yes. And that's going on. Therapists have to pull back on just being in the room for that person. And that's really, really important. And it's, it's work. It's extra work. Now that said, I think there are clients who will, you know, like the internet has good and bad features. One of the good features is they can go look us up, right? They can look us up and they're going to be able to tell by looking at the website, certain things about us. Mm. And they may not come, you know, they may choose to go to a different therapist because they see something that already feels like, I don't think this person will get me. So there is some self-selection out on the part of the therapist, uh, the client, before yeah. they even get to the therapist. Yeah, it is. You know, this is interesting because this year, um, like you said, you know, like this fatigue everyone's bringing in, um, because the, it's such a weird time. Because it's, you know, if we uh, if we to isolate just one issue, like so, twenty twenty, you know, the virus, <laughs> COVID nineteen, yeah. that's only one of them. Um, It is an invisible enemy. And when you look through symptoms of people who are going through abuse, right? Emotional Mm. abuse, 
all mm-hmm. the symptoms like you know with cognitive dissonance because you can like you said you can go online but you can google everything that's gonna co-sign your beliefs and opinions or mm-hmm. you can go the other way but usually people don't go the other way so people can find enough information to back up their own opinions regardless which way you're shooting right. and so it becomes this impossible battle of reason and so you have all these different feelings there's a very emotive year and that's only one of them and it's just yeah that's why this year has been so strange because we can't always see we don't I mean here in London we don't see the consequences of I mean we don't have like dead body on the street like if it was Ebola you'd Mm -hmm. see uh I mean I have a friend he 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 works for the army and he was in um like I'm embarrassed. this is really embarrassing it was a country it was Ebola and he was there to you know part of the army to regulate and stuff and mm-hmm. you know his cleaner he found his cleaner dead in you know in in the in the I don't know if it was the garage or the backyard so you physically see the the consequence of something you know right, right. In, in in your on on your road in your house like you can't escape it so this year has been so strange with that. And I think that's why like, the emotions are so high. But you said something really important about people coming to their own decisions because of their life experience. And, you know, like how, like, is, you know, because I, this year <laughs> um, I find like the problem I have with a lot of different things I'm seeing online and, and, and how movements get almost taken over by what I call bad actors like bad intending mm-hmm, or with mm-hmm. bad intent and it's like you know people are so self-righteous and they're acting like bullies and I think what people are, are missing is that you know I'm self-righteous in all my opinions so I'm a very opinionated person okay <laughs> me too so, right so <laughs> uh-huh. I know I'm very self-righteous I'm going to justify everything I do um but there's also this understanding that I don't hold the whole truth, whether it's on religion or whether it's on race, gender. And I don't hold the whole truth. I don't know. I haven't died, talked to God, come back with a book to write. I have, that hasn't happened to me. So I, I don't have that. So it's like, so there's this self-righteousness and people, there's, there's this lack of humility to understand that people have a right to their own opinions. And like you said, they've had a life that led them to stand in complete opposition to you in their belief system around politics, for example. Sure. And so it's all well and good for me to like just say that. It's like, well, where do we go from here? Uh, Angie's like, so how do we, you know, how do we in a conversation gain, I'm almost like assuming or hoping that it's, it's a muscle that you've really had to train because of sitting with so many different types of people in therapy, how do we gain back a sense of curiosity? Yeah. Yep. So that we don't have to lead with judgment. And I'm talking about, especially like in close relationship, because people can be married 20 years, 2020 happened and boom, one is anti, one is anti-vax, the other one is vax. I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, um, like how do we bring this into our in- intimate relationships with family, friends, colleagues, you know, how do we survive this? Well, that well, if I have the answer right now, and you and I figure out the answer together, like we're going to be all over the newspaper tomorrow. This is good. Prize, and here we come. Uh, I know. I love it. <laughs> Angie and Robin solve it all. Um, I think you know. Look, I, I I want to start back at the beginning. People don't turn into self righteous, opinionated bullies from nothing. We get there 
all of us with our, our judgments from a couple things, from what we learn growing up, from what we see, and also from our fear. And I think a lot of the fights, a lot of the difficulty is fear-based and it's fear-based and it's, it's, um, supplied by the media. It's supplied in our country by, you know, what comes out every day saying this is going to happen and this is going to happen. The news, I'm not blaming all the news. You know, the news is just acting its part. But I think when we build our positions based on fear that we will either die, be harmed, lose out, not have the rights we believe we should have, that we're better than somebody else. When we build our belief system on that, we do turn into judgmental bullies. And what we don't get is a chance to have a real conversation with people who are different than us. And that's the other thing that happens is we end up funneled, right? So all the people on the left are talking to the people on the left and the people on the right are talking to the people on the right. And what the actual conversations where people put down the masks, the, the other kind of mask, yeah, and the judgments and say, tell me why you think that. What, what, is the, what do you believe is going to happen? What's mm. gonna, what will happen to you? Like, can I respect your opinion even if I don't agree with it? And that, yeah. of course, it's, that's in the country, right? That's in any country that's in cities and in communities, but also you're right. It's happening inside families. I have had, we've had couples call us saying we need couples therapy because we don't agree on protocol for safety for COVID. Mm. And we have children and I want to do it this way. And my partner wants to do it this way. We can't agree and we're fighting all the time. And so people do come in and learning the skill of listening to somebody else and saying, maybe, maybe now I understand you. I may not agree with you. Maybe we can compromise. That's a skill that like, I want to see built. And I do see, I see a lot of leadership development happening in schools now where they're like, we need to train kids to be leaders. We need to be trained kids to be listeners. And I think both of those skills are so important because you lose your judgment more and more when you are curious. And, and even if you so totally don't, you know, if somebody's, you know, here's a hot topic, right? If somebody doesn't believe in the science of how COVID spreads, And we've got all the science all around us saying, this is what we've learned and this is what we've now learned and this is what we're seeing. Even if you feel like you want to shake that person and say, but this is science. Don't you believe in science? And even then you have to understand, well, why? Why don't they trust it? What's the history in their lives that has led them to a place that they cannot trust something that, for instance, I, you know, who have a lot of faith in science, do believe in? Um, so I think that's the the piece of like curiosity that I want to see people bring back into dialogue, right? Mm, and, yeah. and that, you know, when I think about, you know, at one point, you know, I, my daughter and another friend of hers, I don't know, we're on a debate team, I believe. And one of the things that was interesting to me is when you're on debate team, you don't get to pick the topic and the side you're on. You're assigned it. And you may be mm-hmm. assigned a to- the side that you would never be on, but you have to argue that side 
clearly and back your facts and not be emotional about sort of, you know, this is just right or this is just wrong. And I Mm -hmm. think that's an art and a skill that we need to keep teaching all of our children and ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that because I think one of the things as well in debate is that when you listen to someone who has a counter argument to whatever you say, you can, Mm -hmm. one of the really simple phrase in debate is like, you know, you're making good points, you're making some points, but actually have you included this in your argument? And I think, I think I feel like we've almost, I don't know what's happened, but I feel like people can't have conversations anymore, never mind debates. And so I'm glad to hear that you have people, mm-hmm. you know, people who are in debate groups, because I think it's a great exercise and ask why. And I think, you know, I've, in a way, that's what the podcast has done done to me in a good way. Is like now I really ask even more clarifying question. Like mm-hmm. when I date, for example, like earlier this year, and I was dating this guy, like on the phone because we couldn't meet up. It was locked down. But he'd say things. I was like, "What?" And then I'll say, and I'd ask, "Well, what do you mean by that? Or mm-hmm. what is it that you say?" And then I realized when he explained, I was like, "Oh yeah, no, that makes sense." It's just that some people sometimes are not. They use. Um, they're not really good at expressing themselves in words that aren't like they, they sometimes choose the wrong words and it's just mm-hmm. and, and I do that too I do that too but sometimes people don't have maybe the same habit of how to you know they speak slightly differently because they come from a different part of the country than you and so they speak a bit different and and I'm not from England so often I actually do have to clarify anyway some like simple stuff uh, mm-hmm. because I'm not sure I get it um, and so so to ask why wanting to understand is so important. And the other side is that this is what I, I feel about, you know, I've been feeling this about um, the world for quite a while, quite sometimes is that I feel that people just want to be cuddled. And I don't mean like a cuddle when you hug someone, but mm-hmm. cuddled, you know, and they mm-hmm. want all the feelings validated all the time. And that's all well and fine. But I feel that it's been flipped. Let's say it's all well and fine. I don't think it's well and fine. Because I feel that it has been flipped into uh, people are so used to have their feelings validated all the time, being cuddled, you know, let's not let's not um, make people upset, you know. And, and it's like people are so afraid to say anything to, in case you may upset someone, come out wrong. It creates obviously this inner conflict, uh, but at the same time, when people are so used to be cuddled and validated constantly around them, whatever community they're in, wherever they live, that they, it feels to me that they automatically think that because someone is asking them a counter question or is not in agreement with them or just do not understand them, mm-hmm. they automatically see them as the enemy. And that's no, why it's I have like a they, problem. That's why yeah. I have a problem with this because this is is, is this is where we see. Sorry, I know I'm I'm I'm, I'm talking a lot, but it's like this no, is no, where we, this this is where we see that this is what I feel is now the cyber bullying we're seeing a lot, and mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people now have this. They feel they have this freedom to act like entitled, spoiled children. They don't mm-hmm. realize it. But all mm-hmm. I'm seeing in 2020 is people throwing tantrum le- left, right, and center like a child. And I'm like, you know what? If you were my child, I'd, I'd probably slap you across the face right now because you're acting <laughs> out. I'm just saying, I know we're not supposed to be, you know, hitting kids anymore, but maybe a bit of fear of your parents wouldn't have been so bad. And I think, and I know it sounds mean, but because those people now, I feel, and I say those, is from any kind of different 
opinions and movements, but it, I feel there's this trend now where, oh, someone is not using the correct word. Someone is asking you a question, you know, and, and you can tell when someone has a good intent question or if someone's just being nasty. There is a difference, of course. But if someone's mm-hmm. just being, we're trying to understand you. Um, and I don't mean you, you, I mean, you, you know, people online automatically they just counterattack and they go, I can't believe you, you know, you think this way and, and over nothing, literally over nothing. And Absolutely. we used to call them trolls, by the way, those people we used to call them trolls. And now they justify because they're hiding behind a movement, whatever it is. There's so many movements this year. And some people have really hidden behind, they justify bad behavior because they are fighting for a movement. And I got to tell you this, if anyone had, come to defense of me for any reason. So let's say if it was because my dad is Algerian or because, whatever it is, if they, let's say if they defended the Algerians and then have a trolling behavior online or in real life, I'd be so embarrassed, so furious. And especially if they were not part of my group, I'd be like, what are you doing? You're not helping me as a human being. All you're doing is creating more you, you're giving the opposition ammunition. That's the point. Mm-hmm. When people are a- acting out this way, and we all do, I also act out at times, don't get me wrong. I'm a human being. But I also understand afterwards that I'm ashamed because I'm ashamed because I know I've given someone else ammunition to to say something bad about me or to to or to justify their opinions about me. So don't give people ammunition. <laughs> That's what uh, I'm well, about. That, you know, you said so many important things in that. I mean, I think part of what I was thinking, so first of all, and this dates me, there's a Carly Simon song where she says, you always answer my questions, but they don't always answer my prayers. And I think mm-hmm. we have lost the ability to decide, the di- to know the difference between fact and fictions or facts and feelings. And so we believe that what we feel becomes a fact. And then you're right. We do the research on the internet or with our groups or whomever, and we're backing up our beliefs without questioning them, right? Without questioning. And you're right. We could call people trolls back, you know, a year ago or two years ago, whatever. But you know, we also call them bullies. We, we call them people who they're, they're so entrenched, but now they're justified. Well, they're justified and they're entrenched in being right. And you're right. They cannot Mm. take the pushback. And then, you know, I always say like, if we can, if somebody's saying something you really disagree with, and they're just saying it in such a, I don't know, a terrible, stupid way. I don't know. I I can't think of a way to say that better, but ignore them. Like don't, yes, Yes. Why move forward into a fight, <laughs> yeah. with a fight, into a fight you're going to lose when, when <sighs> what you're losing is a fight on Facebook? Like, yeah. what? Yeah, no. like what does that mean? You lost a fight on Facebook. Is, in what way does that change your life? In what way five years from now are you looking back and saying, damn, I lost that fight on Facebook with that person who believes something different than me? Yes. And I think so much of this does you're right. You said we act like children. I think when we're scared, we act like middle school children. You're right. And yes. I'm, I, I, I'm sorry if I've offended any middle school child who listens to you, but the reality <laughs> is <laughs> we do. And I, you know, not long ago, the American Psychological Association labeled what we were going through as not just a pandemic. They called it a syndemic. Mm. 
And when they said that, they were for they were looking specifically at the United States and saying we were going through and and you all lived through this with Brexit, but we were going through political unease and instability. We were looking at a systematic oppression of minorities and and the the light that got sort of really started to shine on that. And we were going through COVID all at the same time. And if you think about it, balancing any of those things is difficult. And why then wouldn't people say, I'm going to like find out what the truth is about this? You know, people started freaking out about words like, you know, we're going to defund the police. And they didn't even understand what that meant. They just thought that meant they were taking away the money from the police and everything would be bad. And so I, we don't do the research. We don't take the time. We don't have time to be civil. We have an, we are not only wanting to be in your word coddled. We want our, our belief validated, but we also we don't stop. We don't breathe. We don't think. I remember mm. George Carlin, the comedian, said that the reason he was so effing funny is because he lived on a freaking farm. He had nobody nearby and he had time to daydream. Yeah. I challenge most of us to say, how much daydream time do you or your children or your friends actually have right now to sit and think? Think about the funny sides of things. Think about the sad parts of things. Think about what's scaring you. Think about why you believe what you believe. Think about why the other person does. We don't have it. We just react immediately. Everything's an immediate reaction. And in psychology, in therapy, we teach people, yes, you have reactions. You have feelings. Have them. Have all of them. But before you have your reaction, which leads to the consequence that will come after that, take a pause and say, what do I do? What is my next move based on my feeling? And Mm. also, do I need to make a next move? Can I sit with this? We don't like yes. being comfortable anymore. Yes. This, I love this because this is like, um, I, I, this is so funny because I just realized who listen to this, they're like, oh yeah, they're just like co-signing each other's saying, so they're not really challenging each other. Like, what's the point of the <laughs> Right, like, right. But no, but, but I love what you said this because um, I think, and this is something I only learned a couple of years back, like really, really understanding this about when we react, it's actually you know, um, it's a neurotic behavior sometimes, you know, like, a, and it could be like in dating, it could be like all kinds of situation. Uh, you know, people have a bad day and, you know, the, the cashier gives them the, a bad look and all of a sudden they just like react and they think something, they think it's about something that isn't, you know what I mean? And it's a straight reaction. It's like your childhood wound coming out in the worst possible mm-hmm. place. No, and we all lose it at the wrong time. I mean, no one is losing it at home alone no one's watching it's always at a really awkward moment you know like <laughs> yep and in the u.s you guys are always ready with your phone filming and it goes viral i mean it's just like i'm you know what i'm saying is i mean i know it's, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm generalizing but that's the kind of a bit like the the sense we're getting like across the pond sometimes but it's it's just that when you have like you said have your feelings like i don't say like I, I think it's fine have your feeling have your emotion but sit with them because yeah. when you sit with them you set your because it when you have an emotion, when you're having a, sorry, a reaction, it's an opportunity to work on a trigger. 
and what is best mm-hmm. to work mm-hmm. on your trigger because you work on it, you feel super uncomfortable, which most people don't want to don't want to feel uncomfortable. They want to be justified and validated, right? Uh, and cuddled. So you have to feel uncomfortable because next time when you when you go through this and understand your trigger and try to understand why am I feeling this way, where is this coming from? Next time it happens, it's not going to be as strong as a reaction. And every mm-hmm. time you work on it, all of a sudden it doesn't matter. Like I used to remember, I used to be triggered by uh, things I'd see online, people commenting on the posts of mine and things like that, like constant triggers. And um, I say constant, a lot of triggers. And mm-hmm. I joined this group that was not moderated. And it's highly, I mean, it's like trigger, trigger, trigger party, like unbelievable. <laughs> but the point, the person trigger party, but the person who leads this Facebook group says, she's like, I want you to work on your triggers. This is the point. Like people are going to say things you're not going to like, Mm-hmm. you got to have a trigger, work on it. And, and after being triggered and triggered and triggered, all of a sudden I realized, wait, uh, if I don't like what something someone said, I know it's my trigger. But two, I don't have to respond because if I, if I just log off Facebook, that thing never happened. It doesn't exist. You don't have to react. You don't. Right. You, if it's something, just let them have it. Let them have an argument with themselves. That's all fine. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, you don't have to respond to every single thing and you don't have to react to every single thing. You can work on it in your own privacy of your own home and keep your dignity. (laughs) Exactly. And if you're safe, I mean, if you're not safe, that's one thing. But anything beyond, you know, your safety being compromised, Mm. you know, which I would say you need to remove yourself or be safe, you know, get someplace else, you know, somewhere safe. But other than that, yes, people can say whatever they're going to say, or your, you know, person you love the most is going to do that one thing that drives you the most crazy. Every time you react to it, does it make them change the behavior? No. And I, you know, what happens if you move towards someone who just, you know, so to speak, triggered you as opposed to away from, or what if you move away instead of towards, you know, whatever your normal reaction is, you find a whole new set of you know, strengths in yourself, you have, you find new words, you find your voice. And you also find that you don't always have to have your voice. Sometimes you're like, you just said, okay, trigger, trigger, trigger. You know what? I'm going to go off and do something else. I'm not going to sit here as part of an argument that ultimately doesn't really change my life. Especially when it's strangers. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and I do also want to, you know, I do want to, I do want to say like, you know, this is, with on the online world. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and I try to do this in real life too, but I've got to say like, when I am in a relationship, like an intimate relationship, I find it hard. So this is all very well and good for me to say this, but I'd also know that, you know, I have had relationship where, um, the person is very strong. Um, you know, which is good for me because I'm, I'm, quite, I'm a strong person in a, I'm being told by guys, you know, you're quite strong, you know, like you're a lot to, I, mean, I guess I'm a lot to take. Uh, but it's like, so I need a strong man, but it also means that, which I love and it makes me feel safe and protected, but it also means that I have to take the good with the bad, which means that sometimes they're just going to be so direct, it's going to like really hit like, you know, in the gut. And I find it hard to not let my, you know, I can't just turn them off like I can't turn off my computer. Um, mm-hmm. I... And it's hard not to feel crushed under someone else's strength. And I'm sure they sometimes feel the same with me. Mm -hmm. But it's like how, you know, like how do we take this in our, 
those triggers and stuff. I don't know if obviously I don't, I don't know if we like going on a tangent if it's something that you want to talk about. But how do we? Because I feel like now when I'm single, I've, I've, I've now that I'm back single, I've got gained my strength back, and I'm like I'm always thinking, I can't, I don't want to go back to that feeling of I feel crushed, like I don't feel like um, this strength coming at me of someone. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't know how do we stay strong when the person we're with matters a lot to us. Well, that's that's an amazing question, right? Because what mm-hmm. you're talking about is, yeah, of course you're right. The first three months of like a new relationship, you know, it's hot and heavy, it's sexy, it's fun, it's teasy, it's, you know, all the good mm-hmm. stuff is happening. And, and the very things you're drawn to may be the very things ultimately that drive you the craziest, which is absolutely also, you know, hilarious, but true. Yes. But I think what you're also talking about is we keep going back towards something for you at this moment when I'm listening, I'm hearing, okay, you keep going back towards strong men. Okay. And then part of you, because you're strong yourself is like, okay, who's going to win the the battle of the strength instead of (laughs) can we merge together, which means the worst thing of all, you have to both be willing to be vulnerable and in the vulnerability, you put the strength down. You don't always need, you know, it's like, it's not always war. Sometimes it's just mm. like a little teeny battle, right? It's a little teeny thing about, you know, I don't like the fact that you're late all the time. Like, you know, at first yeah. I thought it was kind of cute that you're so busy. Now I think it's really a pain in the ass. Yeah. But, but in reality, if we're always wearing our strongest armor and carrying our biggest sword, the relationship won't work. Because in a relationship, you get vulnerable. In a relationship, you say, you know what? I'm just going to let you have that. That's going to be, that's who you are. And you just said that. I don't have to do anything about it. I don't even have to do what you just asked. I can just say, okay, I hear you. I know that is what you want right now. And what, you know, what you want to see happen or how, how you want this to go tonight. I'm not sure I can accommodate that. What do we do? right? Like it's conversations just like the ones we have with strangers online, but it is intimate conversations of you are entitled to feel that way and want that. You are entitled to, to feel like, you know, right now you want to protect me, but right now I don't want to be protected. So what do we yeah. do in that moment? Yeah. yeah, We talk about it, you know, we talk about it or, you know, the other day, my wife and I had a, a thing, like a moment and something really bugged me. And what I said to her was, you know what? here's what's going to happen right now. I'm not going to react well. I know it. I'm just going to be a shit. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go up and sit in the, you know, the living room. I'm going to read a book for 10 minutes. I will be back. I just need to check myself. I need to calm myself down. Yeah. And I sat down and when, and she didn't feel abandoned. Cause I said, when I'd be back and I said what I was going to do. So it wasn't like I stormed out of a room. I just, I took myself out and about 10 minutes into it, when I was just about ready to put down the book I was reading and come back downstairs, I got a text saying, okay, I'm sorry. I understand what you were saying. Mm, and then I melted. Yeah. I, yes. like, I melted. She yeah. melted. And we were both like, okay, that was just a stupid moment. And we could have turned it into a huge fight and not yeah. talk to each other for the night and, you know, stomped around or, you know, licked our wounds like a dog. And instead we just sort of like took what we needed out of it and it, it really let it work. And I think that's the thing in relationships when we teach couples in therapy, like 
How do you, how do you approach the person? How do you forgive? How do you talk? What do you, what's your startup? Mm. Do you, do you, you know, say hello before you launch into an issue? Yeah. People don't sometimes underestimate the power of really taking, when you can take ownership and that person actually that, that I'm thinking about, I was mentioning before, he was, he was really good. Like, uh, how do you call it? Surprisingly good because he's, kind of like very much like a strong traditional man that you you know like mm-hmm. like a man's man that you'd picture right um but he was really really good at introspection and he you know he was good at under, like taking ownership and I think when two people are really good at taking ownership and saying I'm so sorry like I thought I was being conversational and I thought that maybe I was being assertive but I didn't realize actually it was coming across like I was not listening to you like I remember one time I sent that to him I was like I'm so sorry I, that you didn't feel like I was listening I was listening to you this is not what my, it was not my intention mm-hmm. and I'm so sorry I'll make an effort and mm-hmm. I remember he said thank you so much I, I just needed to hear that and yeah. I just you know it things like that but I've, so that is so so true like they're so funny like you said like you know once you go away and you calm down you know she said sorry without even you needing to to say anything you know and it's mm-hmm. it's that's a beautiful side of relationship but I find like I think like you, the first bit you mentioned about vulnerability, like that to me, that's a big, uh, that's really hard for me. Uh, being vulnerable, like really opening up myself. It's scary. It's, it's really, really scary. Really, it's really hard. I find it really difficult. Um, I, I find it like it really is. It feels like a little death. It feels like I'm dying. And I know that like my lesson, uh, like I know that with the last relationship, like that person being so strong, I knew that, that person was there to show me that I need, to, it's okay for me to voice my needs. It's okay for me to be louder about what it is that I want and the issues, but also learning how to say it in a better way. But like yep. when I feel crushed, it's also a sign that it's not, not something that they're doing necessarily. I'm letting it happen. And so I feel crushed and I feel like they don't, I feel like I don't have room in this relationship. And that's because I need to learn how to take more space and be okay with that. Right. And it may also be a a younger part of you that is responding too, right? It may be that when you were told when you were younger, a certain kind of direction or or given a certain kind of response, you felt pretty crushed. And now you have this full adult, 42-year-old strong woman who could totally handle it differently, but maybe what's showing up in those moments that makes you feel crushed and makes you want to run away is the part of you that's saying, oh, this is so, this is scary. I'm going to lose. It's going to hurt. I'm not going to be loved. I'm going to be abandoned or, you know, the hell with it. I'm going to abandon this person. Mm. I think we have to work with those inner voices, inner children inside of ourselves to, you know, as a good frame I, I use to sort of say, okay, you're safe and I, I have this. I'm an adult. I can figure this out. So just sit quietly in a loving, like nice way and let me figure this out as an adult. And that's a real different feeling than just feeling I'm too crushed and I have to go away and you need to get away from me. Yeah. But I think it's hard when, you know, when you are opening up and you're being vulnerable and maybe, I don't know if it's because like that person's quite strong strong character and he's a man's man but at the same time he's like a big big dewy gooey heart like really lovely and kind Mm -hmm. like you know there's obviously like you know I have nothing bad to say about him um but it's like I think it's hard when I'm vulnerable and you know when I'm in a relationship with a man that is strong 
I have to be understanding that there, you know, his response isn't going to be necessarily nice and gooey like I would if I was being comforted by a girlfriend, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like a friend who's a girl. Like, but, so it's like that is difficult because when you are opening up and that person's responding and a guy usually wants to fix, they don't like to see you suffering right. and they feel like they're being, they're losing control and they're, they're not, it's very comf- uncomfortable for them. So they just go, well, you should quit or you should, or, you know, or entrepreneurship is, is difficult. You know, like there's no like, oh yeah, no, you're having a hard day. You know, you're doing really good. Um, right. Like, you know, I, it's funny because I didn't realize how much I needed it until like after it was over, when it was over and I was talking to this, this, he's kind of like a, a mentor, like I had like, it's like four courses through like this program I was on. And um, he kept asking, you know, every time he calls, he says, how are you doing? I was like, I'm fine. I'm good. Like, and he kept saying, and one day he was like, stop saying that. Stop saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're fine. Like, I'm really asking you, I want to know, like, how are you doing? And I could feel he was genuine. Yes. And yes. I just, I was trying not to cry, but I couldn't stop it. You know, it's like those, you know, those cries, you just, it's like, it's just coming out. Are you trying to oh, yeah. hide it? Ugly, ugly crying. Oh, ugly yeah. crying. And I was just like, and I was in this, in, in a public place as well. And I was just like, I'm trying to keep it together. And he was like, I know, I know, but it's okay to cry. I know, I know. And then I just cried. And I just, and he, and he said the words that I wanted my ex to say. He said, mm. he said, you know, it's normal that this is difficult. You're doing this all on your own. You don't have to be anymore. You know, we're going to get you some help. And, you know, you've, you've done really good. Like, you know, you've, you've, you've stuck at it for so long. You're really good. You know, you're going to get some help and, you know, you're doing really well. And not be so hard on yourself. And it was like a virtual hug, right? Absolutely. And and I cried and I realized, oh my God, that's all I ever wanted. That's the thing that I couldn't get from him. And it is like you can't expect it's easy for someone who's not, you know, sleeping with you at night to be as mm-hmm. to be like he was. You know, someone who sleeps with you at night, the stakes are higher. They want you to do well, they feel like it's their fault, or whatever it is. So it's hard, like the expectations, you know, like what you want, but what you get is not the same and how you make peace with it. And I think it's the same with so many conversations nowadays in 2020, you know, you want your, maybe your parents or your children to be voting the same way or to have the same stance around Black Lives Matter or to have the same stance around Mm -hmm. transgender, all these things, you know, um, equal marriage, but you may not get the response you're looking for and then you Mm -hmm. feel hurt. And it's like those relationships are really at stake, you know, at the moment it feels sometimes. And it's it's like how do we get through 2020 without losing people who've been there for us our whole lives? Right. That's such a great and that's yeah. such a great question. I you know, and it's funny because I have an aunt I love very much who is we couldn't be more different. We've been about as different as you could be from the time I was maybe 15 or so any like financial, not financial, like my political awakening, I guess. Mm. And we got to a place where there were some things, um, and it started before 2016, but it, but things that we just, Oh, it, it just wasn't working. And I finally said to her, I think we need to take some, some things off the table because what we do is we just pound at them with our hammer, you know, when, and when you have a hammer in your hand, everything looks like a nail. Like, like we can't discuss this. And she's been, it was hard for her. I mean, she's, you know, 20 something years older than I am. Um, And she, she got it. So at this point we've salvaged the love, the history, 
and things that work. And we acknowledge that we have some very different beliefs about things. And every once in a while, she starts to like, like gear up and I can, I can hear the wheels turning and she's trying to bring them back down. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to be able to say, if we're not able to convince each other, but there's like, that's 10% of the relationship. If 90% of the relationship is love. Now that said, it really can't work if the other person doesn't believe you should exist. So Mm. for instance, if the other person feels like, um, well, I just don't believe in trans people and you're trans. And I think, you know, yeah, that that's makes, difficult. That's, 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 that's difficult. not, I'm not saying accept that. I'm not yeah, saying yeah, yeah, if, yeah. They, if they say, you know, because of your racial difference from me, I don't think you're equal or you mm. shouldn't have equity. No, that is not a conversation we compromise on. I'm not saying no, compromise no, 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 on those no. things at all. What I'm saying is the things that are almost unimportant in that you're not going to, you can't convince somebody to vote the way you want to vote. And in, in the long run, this year turned into, if you vote this way, it means you hate these people. If you vote this way, it means you hate these people. Mm. And that is very heartbreaking for me to, to look at because that is how it's been painted. And I believe there are some truths in there, but I also believe there's some like flaws in the, in that picture and that there are a lot more there is a lot more tolerance yeah. than I think we see, but I think it's fueled by the internet, fueled by the media. I, I think it's a very, it's a big generalization, and it's a different. It's a I think it's a very dangerous stance to have because it's a yeah. dualistic way of looking at the world, which, you know, in philosophy and therapy, you know, it's a big it's a big red flag in the sense that it's a bit like you know what Bush used to say: you're either with us or you're against us, and the world doesn't live in those doesn't live like that that's not life life is really in the gray in the nuances you know like you was even yourself you're saying you know um the way you know i don't want to be boxed into under one word it doesn't mm-hmm. you know it's just it it's just it helps maybe people to understand me better and how to relate to me but effectively i'm more than just queer i'm more than just that word that doesn't define who i am as a human and i think it's like saying the way you vote does not yeah shows a bit like you know what your preferences may be like with immigration or the economy, healthcare, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. But it does not mean automatically that you hate or love. Well, no, I people. think it's, it's, it's right. Because it's, 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 it's unfortunately that is how they propagate on the media and it's how it come, kind of looks like it definitely looks like it. But I think if you were to look at the individual, it's not true. And I think unfortunately not everyone is like you can be introspective mm-hmm. and understand the nuances. A lot of people just to get the news and just assume that, oh, that person voted this way. That means they hate me. Well, it also, and it can, and that's the worst Mm. part for me because it can mean that. Sometimes they're voting on one issue. You know, abortion is a big issue. It'll be like, they've really made that decision about who they're voting for because of abortion, but they haven't looked at what that actually means on the left or on the right or in the Democrats or Republicans. They, they've they been sold a bill of goods that this group does this about abortion and this group does that. And and what they forget is that, you know, maybe that's their big issue, but they, they have a gay son that they are, they totally love and support. And they're, you know, they've gone to marches with this child. And suddenly, like, they're voting in a way that if laws are made would be against that child, but they Mm. believe they have to make the decision because of the one thing that's more important. And I think 
this is where identity politics and, and you know, all these like, sort of like crazy inflammatory things that come out that it just scares the crap out of people. And then yeah. they end up forgetting that different votes do affect laws that do harm people that they love. Yeah. You know, and even themselves, it may yeah. even hurt their own finances or their own yeah. situation. And it, it, it is, look, I'm not, I, I paint this picture of sort of my therapeutic neutrality. I got plenty of opinion about of all course, of this. Of course. And it makes me absolutely nuts. But, um, you know, I do, we do need to understand that in this country, everybody gets a vote and we may not like how they vote. We may actually know that that vote might hurt some people and, and not hurt others. We may have to not talk to people about how they voted. We, I mean, it is just, it's so, it, it's been so intense and yeah. so hard to, to manage. Uh, it's been it's been it's been hard to watch it's been yeah. hard to watch on the tv from across the pond like literally like it's been like oh my god like people are preparing for war like regardless which way it go like we're actually actually being worried watching the tv going shit is gonna get like shit's about to hit the fan big time it's like it's frightening i find it you know and to be totally honest with you i find it really scary that um you know like you know and, I, and i'm not into i mean i I always say I'm not into politics, but I do follow it. Uh, but like, I don't really know much is what I'm saying. And I'm not American. So I don't, culturally, I, I don't feel like I have a say in what is best for your country because I don't live there. Uh, I don't understand the history because I haven't lived it. Does that make sense? So I can have an opinion, but it's not really justified. I don't think, uh, you know, I, I don't think I can make a past judgment on anyone, uh, how they vote over there because I don't really understand it properly, you know? So I think, but what I find scary is when they put, you know, I see online, like they say, you know, this is what the Democrats believe in. This is what the, um, you said conservatives over there? We were Republicans. Yeah. Republicans, thank you. Sorry. Republicans uh, believe. And it's like, sometimes some of the points you're like, well, how, as a human being, like, how do you make a choice? I can't imagine that a single person, that every single person in America has believed all of the bits that were like, the bullet points they were putting out, and I'm sure there's more to it, but there was like 10 bullet points on each side about what, it's, what it meant. Like one was defend the police, one was the abortion, the weapons, all this stuff, you know? But everybody was having such strong opinion. It must be hard to watch for you guys. I mean, like, yeah. Oh, it's hard. It's hard to watch because you're like, how can one person, it's like, we were watching, it's like, well, actually there's a little bit of right in both and there's some deeply wrong in both. Like, it was just like, how do you make that decision? Like, it's almost like, I understand there's a decision to be making, some values are going to be stronger, but you could almost see like when you're on the outside, you think, wait, but there are parts in it. There's like, because let me said the defend the police. What I understood by that is like, remove the police and then go back to the wild, wild west. And I was like, how does that make sense? Because, because back in the wild, wild west, this wasn't good for, for, mm -hmm. for the black community. Like, how is that good? I don't understand it. Like, but that's from like a non-American person who's not into politics like that's that's what i read you know uh and and thank god i don't have to 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 understand because i don't have to vote in the u.s i'm not american i can't vote that day but it was just mm -hmm. like that doesn't really make sense like take away the like i don't want my neighbor with a gun to make up their mind if i'm guilty or not that that doesn't make sense to me but so it's a bit of a, a very naive take but just watching and and watching people being so strongly emotional about it was very scary because in in Europe, in general, uh, most of us kind of keep our political opinions to ourselves, and it, it works quite nicely. Uh, but it's like it's like we—I cannot imagine 
that someone that I'd have to prepare for war over election. That to me was really uncomfortable to watch and it was really disconcerting because it's like, this is supposed to be the, you know, the country of the free, like, you know, like in the anthem or the country of the free. And, you know, it, it has a large influence on the rest of the world. And it's like, shit, because mm-hmm. often what happens in the US spills over in the UK and the rest of Europe. And it's like, well, that's wow. the other thing. We're a global, you know? we're a global power and our glo- we're also a global, pa- like, um, this is a world we're dealing with. We're dealing with yeah, yeah, the yeah. things like the yeah. environment across the world. We're dealing yes. with the pandemic across the world. We're dealing with like having, you know, allies and trying to stop, you know, genocide and, and you know, like the immigration issue here and all of these things. And, and you know, as a therapist, you know, I, I have opinions as a human about them. And then as a therapist, I have opinions about them. I've done, you know... Uh, reports for people trying to get visas into our country, you know, because of abuse or they might be killed if they went back to their country. Like I, mm. I have very strong feelings about it, but it's like, yes. okay, what's sitting in front of me in, in terms of like, who am I working with? How can I help them? How can I, you know, lead them, not lead them. That's terribly paternalistic. How can I give them the most amount of support to hear their own voice, to make their own decisions and their own choices and, during this particular time with the election and the, and the pandemic happening at the same time, it's been crazy making. I had a therapist one day and she won't, I hope she won't kill me. I won't say her name. She's, she works with me and she texted me and she's like, how the fuck am I going to be a therapist today? It was right before the election. She's like, I can't, I can't therapy today. And don't tell me self-care because I'm just going to be really mad at you. And I love her so much. And I cracked (laughs) up and I was just like, okay, I'm not going to tell you self-care. Not, 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 I ain't going there. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's like, so our, our feelings are like, we're feeling from every nerve ending, right? Yes. Where, where yes. there's not a place of um, stability. And as humans, it's almost like the, the part of our brain that sends out all the information that we're in danger. It's been on high alert. That is extremely hard on our health. That is extremely hard on our mental health. And it is why therapists have said, do things like meditate and take walks and do exercise and try to be gentle and kind with yourself. Look at your productivity and don't compare it to before COVID. Look at what you really need in a day. Like, do you need a nap? Okay. Take a freaking nap. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. if you have the luxury to nap at this point, we also have people who lost jobs because of the pandemic and they're in extreme, extreme, like fear. And there's difficulties about whether they're going to be evicted from their places. And And in in the U S it's very different to here in Europe. When you lose your job, you actually get support. There's this welfare. I mean, it's really tough out there. I I really don't, don't envy you. And it's, it's, it must be strange because you, the U S is seen as, you know, for a lot of people, like, you know, this leader of the world and the free world and the, the epitome of democracy and the way, but actually when you look in from the outside, it, it to me, you know, I used to want to go back to New York for years. I lived there for a few months um, mm-hmm. when I was younger. I absolutely loved it. Fell in love with it. Cried when I left. I was like, I love the mishmash of all the people. I love how direct people were sometimes really abrupt and rude, but I kind of loved it too. I was like, this is so <laughs> refreshing. This is great. And, um, and that was in 2001. And I think, and, but then I, now I don't want to go back and it saddens me like to live for a year because I'm like, it's anything but free. I feel, 
I feel that's how I feel from and it's just it like things really need to change I know this conversation has taken such a different turn but I know but in a way it's kind of part of psychology why because yeah. I think to feel safe and I think when you lose your job or if you get sick and that means that you're unsafe that is not a good place to be that is not okay um in the number one you know, whatever, no, I don't know what, how we call it, but it's, it, it, the U.S. is a big deal in the world, okay? It has a big influence. It is a big deal in the world, and it's not okay that we're not safe. Right. It's not okay that the, the population, I know it's a big country, there's a lot of people, so it's, it's more expensive, but then that's why we have taxes. That's why, you know, there's shit in place, but it that's not okay to me. It, it's almost, it feels like a, a country that just found democracy sometimes because it is so... Like, I, I really felt scared um, for you guys. And I felt scared even for me because I'm like, is this going to spill over in Europe? Because it's got such a big influence and it's 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 a frightening world. And I think this is why if we start at home, and this is why I think maybe this conversation is so important and the work that you do is so important because if we can start, we can't change the politicians. Like, uh, like you know, when are we going to go and meet Biden and Trump one-on-one and have a conversation with them in the sit down. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to happen, is it? So, no. But what we can do, like, because we have, because in this world where we have to accept that in order to grow, we have to do things and that we can't control the outcome of, and we need to be okay with being, having unpopular opinions and views because nowadays you, that's going to have to happen because there's so many unpopular views that everyone, you know, everything that we say is going to be offensive to someone else almost, you know? Sure. But so, but what we can change is what we do in our home mm-hmm. with our friendships, with our family. How do we treat others? Because that's going to effectively have a ripple effect. And so it is actually an important thing to be aware of. And like, I, I don't know how to, you know, like if you are, like they say, whether it's with a parent or a couple, let's say if you're a couple and you know, the other person's not telling you not to exist. Like let's say he, or the dog, you know, let, let's say they just look at the world very differently. And maybe you as a couple, you go out with your friends and you may be worried that the other person or they're worried that you're going to say something that's going to be cringy. Mm-hmm. How do you feel comfortable that go, well, actually that person is different to me. That's 20% of our relationship is maybe really different political views. Um, but how are we okay as a couple in a group that one of us is going to say something cringy to the other. Like how do well, we that's, that? Yeah. Because, because you're going to be embarrassed, right? And ashamed. Well, <laughs> you, no, you are, but you also, maybe you're not. Because the thing is, I, if we're in a couple, we're two adults and we're individuals and we are, you know, there are per- certain parts that make us a couple and certain parts that make us individuals. And I think when we have boundaries, we let, you know, I mean, I guess if the other person is so radically different that it's offensive or hurtful, maybe you don't even want to be there. But if it's a person believes something very different, if you have a boundary and the other, you know, a friend says to you, how can you deal with that? You're just like, that's, they're entitled to whatever they're thinking or saying. I don't agree with it, but that's their thing. And it's not, it's, it's not necessarily, it, it becomes a reflection on me, but is it a reflection on me? It's, it, mm-hmm. I love this person because 80% or 90% of the rest of that person is kind and generous and giving and, and volunteers and, you know, does all this cool stuff and takes care of their aging parent, whatever it is. But I think it is really hard to not feel like we all need to be clones of each other. And, <laughs> and, and un, we don't have to, we really can be different and we, we can be different and we can, 
educate ourselves about why the person is like that. And we can go someplace and we can go to a party. Thank God I want to go back to parties. Are they coming back soon? I know. Um, I know. I want to go. Um, but we can go to a party and they can be in the corner, you know, pontificating about something that we think is really just like, what the hell? Oh my God. And we're like, yep, they really, truly, you know, I don't know, believe that. And then I'm sure I'm cringeworthy. I mean, like I, I, I have very strong opinions about certain things, especially about the fact that I believe there should be universal health care, which would certainly help people with mental health, but also, you know, it would be the honorable and correct thing to do in our country. And when I say that out loud, actually, it's really funny. I said, I said that to somewhere and somebody overheard me in a line or something. And they're like, oh, you're a communist then. And I'm like, actually... Ah! Well, then, the whole, then most of Europe is a communist, you know, well done, you know. Yeah, like, I'm you know, like, whatever. well, I'm actually, do you know the difference between a social democracy and communism? Like, I, I think you got to like, you know, let, let's like make sense of what those words yeah. mean, first of all. Denmark is a social democracy. I mean, I don't uh, know if it's no. at the moment, but, it, and it is a belief in healthcare and the quality of life is fantastic and you have the right to your opinions. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I, and yes, yeah, the taxes yeah. are high, but I, I read this book called, the, and this is really off topic, but I read this book called The Nordic Theory of Everything. Uh-huh. And when I finished reading it, I was sobbing. I was like, wait a minute, like universal health care, time off for parents when they have a child. And for, for fathers as well. Like it's not yeah, just father, mothers. Fathers, so, mothers, two mm-hmm. couple, if they're yeah. you know, a gay couple, they each yeah. still get a time off, like all of those things. Yeah. And I thought, okay, but let's look at the, the downsides maybe. Okay. So, you know, how much, what's their immigration policy like? How, how, how many different kinds of people live there, whether yeah. Or so there's yeah. this good and bad in everything. There is good I, and bad in everything, absolutely. But absolutely. I honestly, I was like, oh my God, like I know I have some pretty strong views about what we could do that would fix certain things that would also make a mess of other things. Because if we got rid of the way our healthcare system works, it would be such an overhaul of our taxes and our insurance companies and who makes money off of the pharmaceuticals and you know like it would really have a ripple effect in everything it, sh- it should be a basic human rights that you well it can, feels like it can, to me that you but can I'm, get you can get a stroke and not end up on the street exactly, i mean that that to me exactly. you know it's i don't know if human rights even is the right term it's just like human decency or care of uh, the other well and and i think care to everybody every yeah. single person in this country i mean when we look at the numbers of covid we see that you know people who had it the most were people of color and indigenous people in our country. So, you know, and I say this as a white person, I let me say that out loud. Um, and I just think, okay, so what does that number tell us about whether we're getting information into the communities, helping the communities, whether we're partnering with the communities to work with them to understand how this is what happens to the fact that a lot of these are pe- people that may be afraid because things have happened to them in the past. Like, again, it's like so, there's so much to unpack. Yeah, in Denmark, that conversation happened too, where they were saying, you know, uh, a lot of the immigration in uh, Denmark is uh, Somalia and Mm -hmm. Turkey. Um, Now, I I may be wrong, but this is is what I, my understanding. And uh, when I was over there on the news, it broke that they said, you know, obviously that Somalians were... It became a whole controversial debate because it was saying like the highest number in communities were Somalians uh, mm. was having it. And I think people were like interpreting many different ways. And I think the problem was that then people were like a bit worried when they were seeing a Somalian. And obviously in Denmark, you can quickly see who's white and black because Danish, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm brunette, but I'm half Algerian. But 
like you know you can tell the difference quite quite easily mm-hmm. um and i think it wasn't so much so, so it kind of so feels like a racial thing but i think what, what people they were trying to explain is that they were saying because obviously unfortunately in you know and i think like in many places around the world in denmark you know there's I guess like it's like a ghetto, if you like. So they all live together in this high rise. They there's they're more highly populated in a smaller space, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because obviously of finances, obviously, and you know, um, so financially it's a problem. So that's why you know they they in smaller spaces. And so it was in a high rise, it's kind of spread more quickly. Like if let's say if you're in a nursing right, home, right? There's explanations for all of these and we're not helping people. Exactly. Yeah. There was a controversy where there was the right thing to make that information public. Um, and also to understand that it's not because the virus is not racist per se. It's just that right. because if you right. live, it right. could happen to you. It's just if you live, you know, and it's the same for poor white people. If you are, if you're living in a high rise and you have a large family, you're more likely to spread it sooner. It's just a question of mathematics. And and that's yes, it is. is not it's not a question it is you know this pandemic is not about finances it is not about ethnicity it is not about sexuality gender race but we see things happening to certain people that are more marginalized you know i can speak mostly in the united states but you're right denmark every, everywhere else because of lack of access lack mm-hmm. lack of support lack of information and you have lack of access, lack of support because you don't have right. the, the finances, right? Because if you are a wealthy person, doesn't matter of your race, you are going to have your private doctor, your private this, your pri- you have going to you're going to have a big big house, you know. Uh, like I'm thinking Atlanta, Beverly Hills, you know. There's you know there's, there's there are some really wealthy communities out there of you know, I think a variety of of um, of backgrounds, right? Yeah. No, I, and you're right. Class is a big. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's a it's a financial issue. It's not so much of um, the virus. Isn't is looking you know if you it's the dense population and it's just down to mathematics. That's all it is, and it's yeah, it's, it's a numbers game almost. You know, it's like if you're ten people in a small flat and one gets it, well, there you go. It's it's going to be faster to spread to more people than if you're one person or two people in a big mansion with a large garden. You right. know, and you have a job situation. and you have money and you can have your food. Yeah. And yeah, there's just so many pieces, so many factors. And it all affects, you know, to go back just because I, you know, I feel, I feel remiss not to, but to go back to the point of, so what happens to the mental health of people who are Mm. chronically underserved, chronically under resourced and not, and, and more likely to be, to be hit by something like this pandemic, whether it's job loss or whether it's getting sick and not having access to medical care, whether they're, you know, all of these pieces are so important to the, the mental health of people, right? They're Absolutely. losing, whether it's they've lost somebody to COVID or whether it's because they're scared or whether they're depressed, anxious, anxiety is so high. And I'm going to go out on the limb here. The anxiety in this country, in the United States, has been high and higher, higher during COVID, but certainly I think higher since 9-11. We have not felt the same level of um, that arrogant safety, I think we felt in the United States, and I include mm-hmm. myself in that. Yeah, I think 9-11 shook the foundation of people, and I think it made for a, a much more robust group of people with anxiety, and now we have this, and I think everybody deserves to have someone who can support them, who can talk to them, who can help them through the fear because, you know, people are starting to self-harm more, eating disorders are up, people are, you know, expressing suicidal ideation, if not, you know, opting to, yeah, to absolutely. 
have an attempt. I mean, it's worrisome as a therapist and it's a lot to carry as a therapist. So all of these yeah. things are really, really important and key. So, yeah. yeah. And, and that's such a key thing that you brought up because it's true. A lot of things, I mean, when you are living in fear, um, I mean, this is, you know, I'm going to say something that it's not, I mean, it's, I don't know how it's going to come across, but whatever. Because um, you mentioned 9-11, right? So I don't know if you remember, there was a Paris attack in 2015. So that was on my birthday. I was there for my birthday and I was mm-hmm. actually down the road. Mm-hmm. When you experience something like that, I mean, it's something you can even feel on a cellular level when you walk out yeah. on the street, something's changed, like drastically changed. Yeah. And, um, and I remember for like, uh, you know, in the moment, I'm very much like in, in a very dangerous situation. I'm, I'm very like, I see very clearly and I'm like, okay, what's the next step? You know, I just wanted to go back to my hotel. That's all I cared about. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. just go back. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm not going to go into the details, but basically afterwards, once I realized when it dawned on me what happened and the fear sets in and the, you know, I, 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 I stayed home for, you know, when I went, came back to London, I stayed home for two days. I didn't speak to anyone. I couldn't even tell on my phone. It was just like, I just had to mm-hmm. just be alone. Mm-hmm. And this was at the time Trump was running his campaign. I remember that was the time when he said, we should cut the internet and we should not stop Muslim coming in, right? That, that was Ugh. the thing at the time. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Now I just came back from Paris, right? 2015. That, just came back from Paris. The people who who um you know got caught um and you know whoever whoever you know the, the stories are basically these are a lot of them were algerians from belgium now i'm half algerian i grew up in belgium and i even think that i knew one of them when he was a child because i used to volunteer in this mm. really rough neighborhood so i used to volunteer with these kids and i think i remember him because it was the same name at those glass anyway it may not be him but I have been around the community. I am half Algerian, so I felt a lot of different emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being shame and anger. And I was like, here we go. This is not going to help our cause one more time. What we did not really like in Belgium and France. Like, this is not fucking helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have feelings. But also, when Trump, when I was living in the fear for a few days, when I was hearing Trump saying, let's cut the internet and no Muslim going in, I was just like, in that moment of fear, I was like, oh, wait, maybe that does make sense. Maybe we should cut off the internet and not let any Muslim coming in. Like, mm. I'm, I swear to you, this is what I thought. I was like, and then in that same moment, like literally I was, I was thinking that for like, I don't know, a few seconds or however long it was. And then, the, and then all of a sudden I was like, wait, what the fuck are you doing, Angie? <laughs> That's not, that doesn't solve anything. This is crazy talk. This is like crazy. But in that moment, and I'm grateful I had that moment because in that moment, I understood, I don't mm-hmm. agree, but I understood why people were backing him up around those arguments. Because when you live in fear, and you guys had 9-11, when you live in fear, things like that make sense because he talks directly to your fear. Exactly. And we, we then he sounded like a strong person who was going to fix the problem. Exactly. And it gets back to our sense of having some paternalistic strong figure that's going to make everything better. And, and someone having like a drastic solution to a drastic problem, but it doesn't solve right. anything. And it does like, not solve. No. And the, mm-hmm. the only thing that saved me in that moment to not go completely, which is ironic, my dad is Algerian and is Muslim, but to not go completely anti-Muslim and stuff, you know, to just not lose my mind was that I have, because of my background and my life and the things I've lived, I was just like, no, that does not even make any sense. Mm-hmm. But I had to go in that moment of fear and it, it really shook me. I was like, wow, that's how easy 
that's how easy you turn people. Oh, yeah. This is why in 2020, this is why I feel so strongly about conversations. I feel yes. so strongly, if someone doesn't agree with you, don't hammer them down. Let's say if someone wants to ask about the transgender community, if, if someone is public about it, put themselves out there, they have to be willing to get something back. They have to, because it's one of those things where they say this, and it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's BLM, transgender, whatever it is, whatever movement there are around. It's like you, someone who believe, you know, someone who's in something has had the whole, the whole life. Let's say for me, I'm 42. Let's say if, tom- if, if tomorrow, if I came out saying, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going through a transition and I'd like to be called uh, Henry for example, mm-hmm. right? Now I had 42 years to live with this. I've had maybe 10 years of proper processing and I've maybe had six months to get the courage. I'm just making those numbers up, right? But I had a lifetime of understanding something was different or that something I want I wasn't comfortable with and I had time to process it. The minute I opened up about it and I landed on other people and I opened this to someone else, I said to a parent, mm-hmm. like, I had time to process this. This is not news to me, but this may be news to them. And I think right, they need time to process and they, Thank and, you. And they need exactly. to hold, you have to be able to hold space for them to process. The only place I'll, I'll diverge from that is you have to be safe. So if by say it's, some things you can pass, right? You can pass for, you know, nobody may know you're, you know, biracial, right? You may, Mm-hmm. have skin yeah. that people can't read. Yeah. But if you are saying something where by doing, by being yourself, you are going to be different, look different, act differently, then you have to hold space for the other people that love you to react. They may not react well. And you also need to be clear. It may not be safe to mm-hmm. tell certain people. Yeah. And that's where we end up with people that are struggling with such mental health. People will say, oh, there's more mental health issues in that community. And I'm like, damn straight there are because they have less support and less love. And it's not because they're crazy. It's not because they have pathology. It's because they can't, their families kick them out. Somebody doesn't, you know, love them. They're, they lost their job. Like, unless we have safety of, you know, movement and safety of being who we are, we can't really be our authentic selves, which does create a mental health problem right then and there. It does. It does. And I think, and I think, and that's a very good point that you're bringing up. I think what I was, you know, I feel like it's just that when, I guess it's just from, to have this understanding that when you learn, and it's a big news, this is not a small thing. Like if you learn a big news on someone, it's like when you learn someone that you want to get divorced, this is not small news. Like you've you've psyched yourself up to break up with someone, but then this may, they may not be ready for this. So it's like, whatever is the big news you give, it's like, it's like giving the opportunity for the other the person to process it, give them mm-hmm. time. Don't expect them in under two second flat to go through. A right, Cause you live through it. Right. Yeah, You've had 42 years to get used or I've had 42 years to get used to it. They haven't, it's, this is brand new to them. They may completely shock. And I think it's like, sometimes it's that humility of remember actually how did, I feel that and this was hypothetical because it's not my situation, but how did I feel when I realized I may have also gone through some discomfort myself and inner conflicts and, you know, you know, you're going to prepare yourself for a hard life because this is not going to be easy in the, in, out in society, you know, especially at the beginning. And so it's like, give the other people a chance. And, and the reason why I'm saying this is because when we are not letting the, this news land on someone else, 
and and we're attacking them because they're not being as understanding that they're not being understanding or caring the way that we wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. We are giving them ammunition not to support us because if you then go, well, you just, I don't know what, whether I haven't sat in those conversations. I don't know, but if let's say if it goes wrong and you start to insult them and tell them they're lesser human being because they're not accepting, they don't understand people don't necessarily need to understand, but they have to accept you eventually, right? Well, it, if, it, if that's a big difference. Close to you and in your life, you can You know, it's not. And I've had so many clients say, "I, you know, I, I came out and my parents said, well, we love you. We don't accept or respect respect this choice, and you're going to hell.'" So Ooh, I, that's yeah. not really support to me. That is a really yeah, that's hard. Tough that's situation. Hard. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it really just it really does depend. Um, yeah. I guess yeah. it's probably, yeah, I guess it's, yeah, I guess maybe I have a bit of a naive view on this, but I think, I think it's more like, I guess it's, I, f- I feel like I see this online, like people are not allowed to have this conversation. It's like someone may be an expert around politics or gender, whatever it is, right? They're an expert because that's, that's what they live and breathe. And then someone who isn't, who's actually trying to ask and actually because they want to support and understand, it's like, it's like, you know, everything. It's like, we may not get the questions we want. We may not get the reactions we want, but give people a minute. And I think if you give people yeah. a minute, yep. they yep. may come back around. Maybe people's first reaction is, what the fuck? Uh, yep. You know, and, and you know what? They have the right to have that feeling because that's the emotions. They're just reacting. You, you, we wish they'd had it in their own room and they kept it to themselves. <laughs> but unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. So I think just give people a chance because sometimes... I believe in second chance and I believe in giving people just time to get around back around to things. And, and I think that's, an, that's, I guess that's why I want people to, to get away from this. To agree, from this. Yeah. It's just yeah. give people a minute. And, yeah. and yeah. if people still don't, don't want to know about you, they're kicking you out. That's their loss. And that's their, and that's their prerogative and that's their belief system. And you can change that. And now you have to be okay with that too. You can change. They may think you're going to hell, but then you have to make a decision. It's the hardest decision ever to, well, then I have to cut these people off my life, perhaps. That's, that's, a, that's an option you have to be ready to, and that's a really difficult one. And I understand why people stay in the closet because they don't want to cut those ties. Right, 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 yeah. right. It is tough. It is really tough. It is really tough. Um, you know, <laughs> I know this is the silliest thing. You had one question that cracked me up um, on the outline, and I'm just, I, I don't know if we have time, but the oh, question- go ahead. What would you tell your 18-year-old self? Yeah, that's coming. Yeah, but please take it. Yeah, please. Can I jump there? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Take the I, Absolutely. My, I was laughing so hard at that question because <laughs> I have to tell you exactly what I would tell my 18-year-old self who was into glam rock, was like a complete Bowie freak. <laughs> I had the most gorgeous wedgie shoes that were like platform shoes that were made with a cloth fabric with flowers on it. They were so beautiful. And I threw them away. And if I could go back and tell her, whatever you do, do not throw away those shoes. Yeah. That is because, uh, come on. I mean, my, my 18 year old self would not have looked at my 64 year old self and said, thanks for, you know, the advice about like learning to listen to other people. I just want to say, don't throw away those shoes. I want them later. Yeah. So that was, that was the question. I had to, I had to just jump there because I was like, I love that question so much. And that's, truly my answer which may be the worst answer ever it doesn't sound profound but it is really fucking real 
No, I, I think it's great because we had quite a profound enough conversation anyway. I think it's quite, mm-hmm. I think it's okay to end up with good shoes because, you know, there is a jacket as well, a coat that I wish I had thrown out as well. Actually, oh. you just reminded me and I'm like, that one looked really good. So I had a bit of a gothic stage and I was like, this was a perfect coat. And now, right. yeah, that one is gone forever. Um, and so, so actually, I'm going to ask you straight away, like what, this is the second question actually that all the guests get to answer. It's like, what stuff do you not put up with anymore? Oh, you know, what I don't put up with is, is more like comes from me, not from outside. I actually don't care if people like me or not anymore as much as I used to. I Mm. just don't give a shit. I think it's like, I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to say what I think. I'm not always going to have that be met, as you've said before, with coddling and people liking me. And I just, I don't, I try not to like worry about it. Um, that's one thing really important. I also, I, I, if, if somebody's saying something that is just so horribly misogynistic or racist or whatever, and I'm in a place, not in a therapy room where I'm going to have to, and I do address it there, but I address it very differently than if I'm just sitting yes. around, I, 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 I'm just not going to be silent about my opinions about it. I, you know, I'm going to say, you know, how could you possibly believe that, you know, black lives don't matter? Like what, what the hell is that? You know, like, and it's, it's really important to me to like, just say those things, whether or not they're met with like, oh yeah, thanks. So that, that's the kind of stuff I don't put up with anymore. Um, I don't, and I, I hate when people don't treat people with civility. Like I really don't like, you know, back in the day when we went to a restaurant, people not being nice to servers, like there's stuff that just like mm. can be nice to people. Like it yeah. doesn't, cost any more than being an asshole there's nothing more cringeworthy i mean we can all have a bad day don't get me wrong we can all have a bad day but if it's something that someone does every single time yeah woo, i can't do it i can't get down with that I'm, i know i'm out because yeah i used to be a server and I actually got a coffee shop job again like a few days a week because you know the economy is so because mm-hmm. i just back to my old skills and um yeah i i can't I always like when I look at people coming in, I'm like, if they're having a bad day, it's that one time they're rude. I don't care. But if it's something every single time, listen, they're lucky that coffee machine is at, like in bright daylight because otherwise they'd get a sneeze every once in a while. Exactly. <laughs> Not that anyone's been rude, actually. They haven't actually. No one's actually been rude. I've been quite surprised. But um, yeah, it, it's just, yeah. If it's like a character trait, no. If it's a one day off and you have an off day, we're all allowed to slip, but not not like a habit. That I agree, that's pretty gross. Robin, this has been so, so wonderful. Thank you so much for being game with me and going to those places and, you know, the, telling me how you see things. And it's been just a really enjoyable conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you for, yeah, being able to go there with me. And I really, really enjoyed it. So can you please tell us, tell the listeners that where can we find you? How can we work with you? Like, give us all the stuff. You can find me in a bunch of places. You can find me on Instagram at, um, at Robin Mindful Counseling. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at HP Therapy. You can also find me on my website at www.hptherapy.com. On uh, LinkedIn under Robin Hornstein or Hornstein Platten Associates. So I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, Facebook also, there's Hornstein Platten Associates as well. So or I think that might be under HPA now, but it's HPA or it's Hornstein Platten Associates. Uh, so that's where you can find me. Perfect. And do you work with people like um, telehealth, like online? I do work. I do uh, health coaching and therapy online. I do. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Well, this has been so wonderful, Robin. Thank you so much for your time today. 
thank you for being on the show and you know maybe we'll you know hopefully we'll get you back as well at some point i would love to come back it's a hoot to talk to you i loved it yep thank you so much thank you angie bye 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 And that's our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to rate, review, share it, subscribe it on iTunes, follow it on Spotify or whichever platform you listen from. However you show love is how you can support this show. Drop me your questions or suggestions for future episodes via the website at angie-s.com or come and find me on Instagram at tool for dish it podcast. See you next week. And until then, using health inappropriately.